y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 453, I'm welcoming to the show, Kathy Bush. Well, we're finding, you know, as we're doing our conferences, the biggest thing in marriages is communication. They, they're not communicating about certain things. I mean, life just gets busy when you're raising kids and working and what do you talk about? And I think that's why when kid, when uh, marriages are done raising kids, they look at each other and they have nothing left. And so, you know, we do a lot of things in our life that we invest in. We invest in our retirement, we invest in our health, you know, we invest in our children, but what are you doing to invest in your marriage? Kathy has been married to Tim for over 42 years and a majority of those years have included challenges. And I know all marriage can be challenging. Uh, Theirs has included infidelity, alcoholism, drug abuse, and God entered their story and redeemed this broken marriage. And from that, they have started a ministry called War Room Ministries that I want to connect you with because their heart is to help nurture individuals, faith, growth, biblical understanding, and to help other marriages thrive. They also wrote a new book called Sex on the First Date, a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. And their heart there is for maybe those who don't know Christ as our Savior may encounter him through their own story. And I've been around long enough to know there are a variety of marriage journeys and paths. And so we've linked to other episodes I've done on the topic. Uh, My Goal is never to add shame or guilt to anyone. And if your marriage has ended through divorce, there are so many other testimonies I share on the podcast, amazing ways God is working uh, in women's lives, whatever their journey is. And so please connect to those episodes in the show notes. Um, And of course, my other thing I wanted to say was if you are in an abusive marriage, an unsafe situation, whether it's physically, emotionally, otherwise, I want to encourage you to reach out. And if you don't know who to reach out to, we put a link to Genesis Women's Shelter, which is a local shelter here in Dallas, but they have other resources. You are worth protecting and God loves you so much. And so if that connects with any part of your soul, I hope that you get safe. But I'm excited to share Kathy's journey with you. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Kathy. Welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, we have some common friends that are with Family Life. And when I was thinking about, you know what, we haven't done an episode on marriage in a bit. And your name came across my email. I was like, you know what, we could use a little hope (laughs) for our marriages and a little reminder that even in the most hopeless situations, there is a God who can redeem. There is a God who can redeem. Yeah. So I've already given all the caveats. We're going to tell your story. We're going to talk through your story. We're going to talk about uh, if someone's in a similar place at the end, some tips for them. But let's just get started. Okay. Where where was your marriage with Tim? Tell us more about it. How did y'all... Okay. So, so Tim and I, we actually, we actually celebrated our 42nd anniversary, February 5th, but we've been married for 42 years. I was 18. 
I was actually 17 when I met Tim. We were married when I was 18 and we got married because I got pregnant and we both thought that was the right thing to do. And so we didn't, we, our first date was August 31st and we were married February 5th. So we had a very short dating period. And if you look at the title of our book, which is called Sex on the First Date. <laughs> it's a little nod to your story, a little nod to the story. Yeah, right that's the how yeah. the relationship started. But as the subtitle says, it's a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. So that's how our relationship started. And we both came from, I would say I came from more of a solid home. I was in a home with, uh, I was the middle child of seven kids. And my mom and dad were long time married. I would say the biggest thing about my personality growing up was I was super shy. And we, my dad was an immigration officer. We moved about every two to three years. So about the time I would make a friend, it was time to move again. So that was really hard for me. So my friends were pretty much my siblings. And then um, I was, mom and dad went to church. So we went to church on Sundays and pretty much, and you know, prayed at our meals. But pretty much that was it for me. I didn't really understand anything about a personal relationship with Christ. It was, I believed in God. And that's about as far as it went. When I was around, I don't, you know, I don't even remember the age. I would say 11, 12, 13, I was molested, which was very devastating to me. That, that I don't even know how long that went on. I just know it really affected my life. And it turned my shyness into depression and and just life became very hard and school became very hard. I was really afraid of people. You know, when I was in high school, I would actually go in the bathroom and sit in the stall because I didn't want to talk to people. And so life just became very depressing for me. And I knew that my future was going to be that I was going to find a man and get married because I, that's kind of what it was in our family. We would, I wasn't going to go to college. I knew I hated school. So about high school, middle school, I started drinking alcohol and started dating boys and became very promiscuous. And I actually dated a guy for a couple of years thinking that I would marry him. I even had a couple scares that I thought I was pregnant. But then I ended up, that relationship didn't work out. And shortly after that is when I met Tim. And the, the thing about Tim was I thought he was like a man. He, he had a car, he had a home. I knew he had a job. And so I was really attracted to that because I thought, man, this is a guy that can take care of me and, you know, provide for me. So I really fell hard for him after our first date and our, our relationship was just a whirlwind. And we, and like I said, I got pregnant and we ended up getting married but we how much older? Say, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Okay. How much older was he than you? And how did you, as a 17 year old, meet him? So he was 20. And I actually, for the first time, saw him at a party. And this was a party I, I wasn't drinking at because it was two doors down from my, from my parents' home. So I, I was not drinking that night. A friend of mine came up to me and said, That Tim Bush is trying to pick up on me. And that was the first time I heard of him. And I looked at her like, who's that? Like I was supposed hmm. to know who he was. And I looked over at where she pointed where he was. And there was like this man standing there because he had slacks and a dress shirt on. And he looked totally out of place because this was a high school party. 
it was a short time after that that I ended up at his house because some friends heard he was having a party at his house. And that's when he asked me out on the first date when I saw him at that party. And I kind of knew about him because my sister and his brother were friends. So they kind of had said, my sister had said, he wants to take you out. So that's kind of where our connection came from. But he was, yeah, yeah, he was 20. I was 17 when we met. And the book starts with a lot of his, the heart he comes from, because we know part of the, the main challenge of marriage is bringing two people and all of their stories, whatever trauma you bring or whatever challenge you bring, they come together. Yeah. Tim's background was really tough. I mean, his mom was married nine times. She was married to seven different men because she married two of them twice. And it was interesting because later, later, years later, I had a conversation with his mom just to confirm this. And I said, so Janet, you've been married nine times. And she said, yeah. And I married two of the men twice. She said, Kathy, I had high morals. I wouldn't sleep with a man unless I married them. So that's how she looked at it. So that's why she was married so many times. But she ended up marrying a man that did not want any kids. And so when Tim was 12, she ended up um, giving Tim to her parents, which were Tim's grandparents, and his grandparents adopted him. And his grandparents were, they were long-term married. But his grandpa, there was no God in his life. His grandpa raised him to work hard and he really talked to Tim a lot about sowing his wild oats before he got married. And he actually even threw him a box of condoms and said, don't make me, uh, well, he was his dad at this time legally. He said, don't make me a grandpa soon. And so, but he was kind of his cheerleader. He was a very worldly man and he had had affairs. And so this was how, this is what Tim thought was normal. That's kind of how he was raised. So when Tim met me, because I went to church, he thought I was a church girl. He thought that I would change him because Tim was, he was really out there, had a lot of girlfriends, cheated on his girlfriends. And he thought once he married me, that that would all change because I was a church girl. And so Mm. his expectations of marriage was, he always says this, that he could have sex whenever he wanted. Someone was going to take care of him, clean his clothes, take care of the home, And my expectations were someone was going to provide for me and protect me and take care of me. And so these were expectations we had coming into marriage. And, you know, we never discussed that with each other. That was kind of just our, our hidden expectations, which. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I know from the get go, you didn't have that so clearly verbalized. Like, no, no. How many years into marriage did it take? to figure out your core motivations or expectations? Uh, it, It happened really quick. I think we figured it out right away that that's not what was happening in the marriage. But like to verbalize it that clearly, did you, that's oh, that like after counsel? No, years. Yeah. <laughs> years yeah. later. I was going to say, I'm guessing 20, 25 years into marriage that Yeah, takes. I think it was about 27, 27, 28 years that we were able yeah. to realize. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's someone listening right now and they're in, at year 10 or 11 and these patterns, you know whatever their unhealth in marriage is or whatever their challenge is, we have these expectations unmet and things we go to. Right. And it was it's interesting to me with all of Tim's background of abuse, would, that wasn't a part of your story or that was a part of your story? With 
with your marriage. He didn't carry that into your marriage. You know, there was, there was no abuse in our marriage there. Tim was very controlling. I don't think that, I think the control and, you know, years later when Tim was in counseling, his counselor told him, you're always trying to survive. Like because of your childhood, he was physically abused. Um, A couple of his dads put him in the hospital. Um, So Tim was always trying to survive. And so he didn't, he could, he would, didn't want to be out of control. He had to have control of things. So part of that was he had to have control of me. Then on the other hand, because of my personality and my growth, which I went from my parents to Tim, there was no, I mean, I, and then I was super shy. I had no self-esteem. I allowed the control because I didn't know any different. And I kind of looked at it as this is just him taking care of me. But as I started growth in myself personally, I realized how much he was controlling me. Yeah. Which is not an overt physical abuse, but can be a form of, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Okay, y'all, I'm doing it. I'm being consistent and I'm seeing real change in my hair. I've been kind of sharing this with you, but thanks to Vegamore and sticking to this hair routine, I am seeing some results. I am seeing growth. And y'all know hair takes a minute to grow. But with Vegamore, not only are the products 100% cruelty free and never formulated with any harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones, but when I have the little dropper of my grow hair serum next to my sink, after I've washed my hair, I drop some in, I comb it through, and I'm telling you what, y'all, I'm seeing growth in areas that, like, since I've had babies, I haven't had hair there. So it's pretty amazing. Um, you can also get a monthly subscription of Grow Hair Serum. They make it really easy to stay consistent. You can either get one bottle or three bottles, and you save more and never run out of products when you do subscribe. Another fun fact, Vegamore sells one bottle of Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash DMA. Use the code DMA at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash DMA. Code DMA to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash DMA. Code DMA. When it's crazy when you look at it. There was a moment in our marriage, and this was when I actually, I, I fell, I stepped outside the marriage. I fell in love with a man. I started an emotional affair with him. And that was really the first time we had some good counseling and it was from a pastor. And he told Tim, you have to let her go because he saw the patterns of control in our marriage. And he told, cause Tim said, what do I do? And he was deathly afraid of losing me. Tim was And Hmm. the pastor said, you have to let her go. You can't, if you control this, you're for sure going to lose her. And I'll never forget that day that Tim came to me and said, you, you can go be with that man. I will be here with the kids. I'll be here if you want to come back. And it was the most freeing feeling to me. And really the last thing I wanted to do was go be with that guy. 
And it was the first time mm-hmm. I actually saw my husband not having control over me. And it was very attractive. And so it, I think for us, it felt like, I felt like I was in a cage so much with him. And when you're in a cage, you're going to fight your way out. And so when he let me out of that cage, now this was not a lasting thing. It was the start of something, but it wasn't until we put Christ in the center of our marriage that, that things started lasting. But we had these temporary fixes that were being thrown to us that we were trying, but then we were trying to do it within our own self and they didn't last. So you started off on a hard foot. Yeah. Young, married, uh, marrying because of a pregnancy, not a lot of great examples of marriage. And then other things entered into your marriage to increase the challenge. Let's get to the fever pitch point, and then we're going to talk about redemption. What would lead you to choose these other things, whether it was Tim and affairs or alcohol or talk us through the years of marriage where other things were inhibiting your connection and your growth? Well, I think what led both of us to what we were doing, and you know, a lot of the things that Tim was doing, I didn't know he was doing. He kept a lot of these secrets. And the reason he kept these secrets is he thought this is just, that's just what men did because that was what he saw with his, his examples. And so for me, I know what led me was I was searching for something. There was something missing in my life. And so I was searching and so I would search and, and there was alcohol involved. Every, any affair I had was, there was always alcohol involved. So I would meet another man that would, I thought was filling the void that I was missing in my marriage. But then not only, not only alcohol and men, but then I was looking for, you know, good things. And I mean, I, there was a period in my life, I was so entranced in my body and my health and that that became an idol. And I didn't realize the things that I was doing were, were taking the place of truly what I needed to worship because I was worshiping other things. I, I knew that, you know, eventually I found what I needed, but all for 27 years, I was searching for something and it was either alcohol, men, drugs, health things. There was self-help things I did. I went to self-help conferences. I went to college and took some college courses. You know, I was going to become a personal trainer. It was just, and in, in the videos in our book, the kids will say, mom and dad were always trying something new. And so mm. that was the thing when we gave our life to the Lord and they saw that, they wondered how long that was going to last. But that was the thing with Tim and I for 27 years, there was, people say, why did you not get a divorce? And it was because there was not one of those days during that 27 years that we both said, let's get a divorce. One of us was always wanting to fight for the marriage. And I know that was the hand of God there. I know that was, he knew where we were going to be now. And he gave us the grace to get us to this place now. So you would swap desire to stay in. Yep. And yet the other person was willing to go along with it, even if they weren't the one fighting. Right. Because that's what I hear from people. Like I'm willing to fight, but my spouse is completely disinterested and it feels like no hope. But even in that unmatch of desire, you guys kept this marriage going for those 27 years. Talk to us about the transition. What was the breaking point or what was the breakthrough? So 
as our book starts, it really stop. It really starts at the bottom of where I was at. And I had really come to the place in our marriage. This was at the 27 year mark. I had finished aesthetic school and I, there was a piece of me that wanted to, to figure this out and stay married to Tim. We had just, all of our kids were moved out of the house and I, before I went to school, actually wondered if I was going to come home, but I ended up coming home. And during that time I was away in school, there was some infidelity and I knew that I had to tell Tim about it. And I ended up telling him about it. And then it was like I was home and I had settled into thinking, you know, I'm just going to stay married and I'm not I'm going to stay in this marriage because it's going to just be okay. And I'm going to go outside of the marriage to find the the excitement and the things that I'm missing. And so Tim had left the house and I picked up the phone to call an old boyfriend and Tim caught me on the phone, which is the name of the first title. And I can say for the, really for the first time, Tim was completely done with the marriage. And so at this moment, this, this bottom for me, I begged him and I begged him to go to counseling with me that I would do whatever it takes to fix this marriage. We both agreed that for 27 years, we had practically done everything we could to kill this marriage. So we needed to either make it work in a, in, and be, have a thriving marriage or we need to end. And so we, we decided that we were going to start counseling. We, we found some Christian counselors. We would have called ourselves Christians, but later finding out we weren't Christians. But so we started, I went to the wife, he went to the husband and we did, and then we would come together, the four of us, and we committed to this for two years. So during this two years, we worked through a lot of things in our marriage. But then I, but then come to find out during those two years, my husband did not divulge what he had been doing in our marriage. Hmm. All those years prior or while you were in counseling? No, prior. This was prior. Yeah. He was not, nothing was going on while we were in counseling. But then what started happening is um, Tim's, Tim's brother was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer. It was, a, and he didn't have very long to live. Our um, nephew committed suicide, which was a dear friend of our, our sons. And it put our family into a tailspin. Tim started developing anxiety to the point where he could not even work. And he had many businesses. So all of a sudden our marriage takes a turn from Tim controlling things to where he has lost control of everything. And I'm really having to take care of Tim. And so he's in this downward spiral and this lasts for about a year and a half. We're going, we're in and out of psychiatrists. He's still in counseling. He's put on different drugs. He starts to where he's drinking a fifth of, of um, vodka, alcohol a day. He even, I see him go to the store to get a Bible and he starts speed reading through the Bible. Like he is just, he's a mess. And so during this time, he's with his counselor and his counselor's trying to work through these things that are going on with him. And finally, his counselor says to him, Tim, I feel like there's things you're not telling me. And Tim is at his breaking point and he finally tells him about all the infidelity that has been going on in our marriage and that he's never shared with me. And his counselor says, you have to tell Kathy. And Tim says, if I, if I tell her, I'll lose her. And Jake says, well, if you don't tell her, you're going to lose your life. And Tim was actually at the point of thinking about suicide. And so Tim finally tells me this stuff. And it takes him about an hour and a half to tell me everything. 
And really for the first time, I feel like our marriage is starting to make sense. And I feel like we have hit the bottom and now there's a place for healing to begin. And so that was our turning point. And during this process, um, there was a good friend of Tim's that suggested that he start reading the Bible. And Tim said, I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading through it. I'm not getting anything out of it. And he says, Tim, why don't you start in the Proverbs and read a chapter a day? And so Tim comes to me after his confession and after a period of time and asked me if I would start reading the Bible with him. And so I will Mm -hmm. tell you, I tell everyone in our conferences, like that's the sexiest thing that my husband had ever done. And that began, began the life change for us. And we started reading the Bible then haven't stopped reading the Bible. We We read the Bible every day. That's part of what we're doing, but that through God's word is how I was saved it like he opened my eyes to the truth and I was saved through his, through his word. It wasn't shortly. It was, it was about a short, short time after that, that Tim was saved through music and gave his life to the Lord and our life at that time, it was just completely changed, radically changed. And those people that we were just completely died and God put us on a fast track really fast. <laughs> the music thing intrigued me. Yeah. How did he grasp the gospel through the music? Okay, let me let me back up a little bit. There was a pastor. Okay. There was a pastor at, that was taking Tim through grief counseling after his brother died, mm. and mm. he took Tim in his office and he said he said to Tim he said I have to I have to tell you something and I could lose my job for this. He was a Lutheran pastor. We had been attending this church off and on, and he told Tim he said. God has a calling on your life and it's not here. You need to go find a Jesus loving Bible teaching church and find out what that calling is. And so Tim comes home to me and tells me what he said. And he looks at me and he says, do you know what a calling is? And I said, no, but it sounds good. Like we need to go find it. And I looked at Tim and I said, you know, I thought every church was a Jesus loving Bible teaching church. (laughs) <laughs> so we end up through another series of events, finding this Jesus loving Bible teaching church. And we go to this church. It was interesting because we go to this church on a Sunday and they're playing. We're used to the hymns. Like we're not, we didn't know what worship music was. So we walk into yeah. this church and they're doing worship music and we're, we're sitting there or standing there. And Tim actually walks out of the church and he's and the uh, one of the guys one of the elders in the church stops him and says, where are you going? And Tim says, this church isn't for me. And he looks at him and he says, yeah, it is. Get back in there. And so it's really funny <laughs> that God used this, this man to tell Tim that. So Tim went in there. And so we, we went to this church and we something was different there. It was just really different. So at this time, we're reading God's word. We're going to this church. And they're talking about this Christmas concert that they're going to do. And we, so we decide to go to the Christmas concert and during the concert, there's this song called the lighthouse. And we actually found this out while we were writing the book because the pastor that sang the song, he told us that that song was not on the playlist. And he said, it's a popular song that these two pastors sing together and everybody loves it. And they started chanting lighthouse, lighthouse. And so we're listening to this song and Tim while the song is playing, Tim says, he, I literally felt the Holy Spirit come inside me. 
And Tim looked at me and tears are just streaming down his face. And he grabs my hand and he says, our lives are going to change forever. And we are going to serve the Lord. And we're going to start going to this church. And that was the moment that our lives changed forever. I have the Holy Spirit goosebumps. I've got the tears in my eyes. That's amazing. Won't he do it? Anybody else in a spring cleaning mood? I've noticed one area of our home that needs a lot of attention is our kitchen. It's where with four boys, I'm in there the most. And now that they're cooking more because they're starving all the time, they're letting me know what products are no longer working or need to be replaced. Or they're like, mom, that pan, the nonstick is chipping off of it. Neat. The products they are loving are my new Caraway non-toxic kitchenware. The skillet, the little pot that I have. I have two amazing products and I need to get more because they work really well and they're so cute. Did I mention cute? I love the design aesthetic. It's modern and I picked this pink coral color that I love and I know it's not chipping. It's healthy. The Caraway products are made without any toxic materials, no hard to pronounce chemicals like PFAS or PTFE. I don't know what these things are, but none of them are in the Caraway products. It's also, had they have these um, naturally slick surfaces, so you don't have to use as much oil or butter. Things just slide right off. Easy to clean, which is another, a lot of time in our kitchen is cleaning. Uh, and it's not just our family that loves them. Over 65,000 people have rated five stars about their Caraway kitchen, so maybe it's time to try it yourself. Uh, go to carawayhome.com forward slash DMA. Take advantage of a limited time offer to get 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So make sure you go to carawayhome.com forward slash DMA. And it's spelled C-A-R-A-W-A-Y home.com. Or you can just use the code DMA at checkout. Caraway is non-toxic cookware made modern. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm thrilled to partner with them I don't know if you've noticed the last couple episodes I've had therapists on the show. And then even today, Kathy's sharing about how she worked on her own family origin wounds and history to help support her side of the marriage. And if you are in a place where you've been thinking about getting therapy but didn't know what to do next, I wanted to connect you with better help. It's a great option, particularly if your life is full and busy and it is hard to even make time and space for therapy. BetterHelp is completely online. So it's flexible, it fits your schedule and uh, convenient. And so I know for me, therapy has been a huge help in my story and my journey, even in starting this ministry. And I want to connect you with similar help. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not a great match, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash DMA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DMA to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash DMA. So that's what he did with, with Tim. He took him to his knees. He took 
mm. us to the end of ourselves because I felt like we had tried everything. And even to the point when Tim was going through anxiety and depression, we tried every, every t- kind of drug he could possibly do. And nothing was helping. He wasn't sleeping and he was having all these side effects. And when we look back on it, it's like, that's what God was doing. He was showing us, you're not going to get your answers here. I'm, I don't want to disregard mental health and say that med- medication right. doesn't work. Right. It was just not the plan that, that God had for us. He knew it was, that was the path that was leading us to him. And it's really clear when we look back on it now. Well, and, and that's the key with all of these testimonies, right? The testimonies in the Bible of all the people God's worked through, they're none are the same. Right, right. None are the same. This isn't like a follow Kathy and Tim's guidebook on how to redeem your marriage. This is when you're at your lowest point and you have tried all of your ways, all the ways that seem right to you, all of the ways. God will enter your story and surprise you and knock your feet off because he has access to all things and he's doing something. And, you know, I know, like I've said earlier in my little caveat, there can be shame associated when marriages aren't restored, you know, like, well, why not my marriage? And we even have to trust him in the, you know what, that wasn't your story of testimony. And I've seen him work then in a new marriage that comes from we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about if you are in that hopeless place. Right. And you are both striving to redeem and restore this marriage. How many years? Like you said, two years of the counseling, but that's t- 29 years. This is not a quick overnight thing. <laughs> no. And that, the, tw- the two years of the counseling, that was at the 25 year mark. So at the 27 oh, okay. year okay. mark. And, and, and it's incredible because. Our counselors continued to tell us for two years that we had a drinking problem for two years. Like Uh, we, but we did not want to let that go. That was, I mean, drinking for us was started when we dated. I didn't drink during pregnancies and, and uh, nursing, but once the kids were old enough, we started to drink and it was everything we could celebrate. Alcohol was part of it. And it was the group of people we were hanging out with. It was the family. It even came to the point where we were starting to drink with our adult children. And so, you know, that's that we didn't want to let that go, but that was part of, you know, when we started reading the Bible, the last time we got drunk, I woke up that morning and that was, I believe was my, like my first conviction that the Holy spirit was convicting me that, that you guys need to stop drinking because I told Tim, I am so tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of trying to remember what happened, what I said. I think we need, I think Jake and Jennifer, our counselors are onto something. Maybe we need to stop drinking. So we decided we'd do it for a month because we, we didn't want to commit to a lifetime. And so we did it for a month and, and things started changing. And, but not, not did we just take out drinking, but that's when we were inserting God's word in our life. Because if you take something out, you've got to put, you've got to put God in. And putting Christ into that hole was exactly what we needed. And that's in, and so after that month, we sat down and listed the pros and cons and everything was getting better. And it was like, let's do it for another month. And for us, it's been 14 and a half years. And it's like, there's no place for alcohol in our marriage. It, it practically destroyed our marriage and our marriage is so good. And it doesn't mean that that's for every couple, you know, that there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine or, but for us, it's, it doesn't work. 
And we're not going to go, we're, we're not going to even go back a step to that place where we were. We're not going to do that. What I appreciate about your story too, is it's not like you came in with the Old Testament way of like, we'll keep the law and then we'll be right with God. You right. know, like this was like, you tried all the ways, <laughs> law was nothing. There wasn't a law even handed to you and it wasn't working. Oh, right. <laughs> like, some of these things God's giving us out of his kindness and his love because he has this way of life that is amazing. And so what I appreciate is you're like, guys, we've tried it, <laughs> tried it, and it was not for us. And um, there's power in just coming to that realization and seeing the fruit of following Christ for your relationship. And I am very thankful. So before we end our time, I would love to, if someone's listening and they are maybe at where you were at your 25 years, which is so amazing to me. Like I was talking to some friends this weekend, how you can, when you're just newly married, you're like, how could people possibly get divorced after 20 years? And you get to the 20 years and you're like, I can see now. Yeah. Like, yeah. See like how <laughs> things, especially with teens. Um, and at that point, 25, you had older kids. Um, but could you give us some, maybe some first steps? Like how do you begin this process? And I know, again, it's not a formula, but what have you learned or what kind of tools can you equip the person listening if they're just in a desperate place? Well, I think the first step is to, to is to getting to God's word. And, you know, because I would try that every once in a while, but it's not only get into God's word, but if you're questioning your relationship with Christ, he's waiting for you. Like he not only wants your, your head, he, he wants your heart. And I feel like with me, like I, he was in my head. And so when I tried to read his word, there was no understanding of it. But once I let him into my heart, I understood what he said. And like you had said, like God has a plan for our life and his plan is best. But if we don't read God's word, we don't know what that plan is. Because if you think about this world we live in and the hours that we spend in this world, in the culture and what the culture says, you're going to do what this world says. And that's where you're going to have a lot of heartache. And it's really countercultural to do what God says. It's going against this world. And so knowing what God says, like no, if you're a wife, do you know what God says about your role as a wife? Do you know the power that you have as a wife to your husband? And that's a good power. I mean, he designed us to be our husband's helpers. And that's an incredible power that we have. And that's not, that's not lesser than a man. I always tell my husband, I'm really glad that you're the leader. I'm glad that you get to lead me and you get to answer to God for how you're leading me. But we have that the power that we have to encourage our husband, the power that we have to either build them up or tear them down, you know, but if we don't know what God says about our role, you don't know where to go. And so starting with God's word and surrounding yourself with strong women and, and going, looking for a mentor that's ahead of you, that's been married longer than you, you know, learning from them. I mean, I, I didn't have that when I was a young mom, I didn't have it. And I would suggest that a, a young mom finds that. Well, and even just, I know it was a gal who was married 
shorter time than me, but she yeah. came on the show to talk about marriage. And she was talking about that helper, the Hebrew word, and how it's this warrior term. And it's like mm-hmm. the person at your side who are you doing battle with. And just that imagery helps embolden you that this isn't this meek, like, oh, tell me what to do and I'll be your servant. Right. This isn't like, right. a, like a mindless role of just a maid. This is a person who's at your side taking battle spiritually. Right. There's, there is a battle against our marriages and it's like, man, if we, when we link arms with my, my best gifts and his best gifts, we're unstoppable. But if we tear each at each other, then we make that the battle. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's sad when I get caught up in that for me personally. And I know that that can often happen in marriage for sure. When you think about God designed marriage before he designed the church, I mean, it's a huge institution and it, that covenant that you have with your husband and with God, it's, it's huge. And it's a spiritual battle because Satan hates marriage. And if, especially if you're serving the Lord in your marriage and you're thriving, you're, I mean, Satan's, you got a bullseye on your back. Yeah. So my question, and you might get this when you do conferences with family life is what if you were saying the first step is getting God's word? And we can't make our spouse. We can try all the things. We could put the Bible out on the counter. We could tell them about Bible recap. We can try, I mean, <laughs> all the things. What advice do you have as you meet couples? And maybe it's the husband would like the wife to read or the wife would like the husband to read. Mm-hmm. I know it's not always one gender, but. I think the biggest thing is that you keep moving forward. We always, I always tell women, you need to work on yourself. Men, Tim always tells men, you need to work on yourself. And you pray for your spouse and you can't, you, I, I couldn't change Tim. Only God could change Tim. And I'll tell you what, he was, he was the most, let's see, in a nice way. Um, what, what, what would I say? Yeah, proud. He was the most proud man that, you know, you know, when God says he humbles the proud, he humbled my husband and my it's husband. It's hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I didn't really know it. I didn't know it at the time what was happening, but it's so clear to me what he was doing. And he will humble the proud. And so if you're dealing with a husband that's very proud, you need to back away. I think I heard a woman say, you need to duck and let God work. Duck. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Okay. So we're going to get in way. God's word. We're going to pr- get out of the way. We're going to do our side of the street and take, yeah. make sh- you know, it's not like a wait to read God's word until your spouse buys in on it. No. Or wait to get right with God or do the work to heal your past, you know, yeah, family on, history and your inner child stuff. Yeah. And I think the other I think the other thing important to do is also if you're working on yourself and you're learning, you know, reach out to other women and help them. You know, w- there's so much growth when you're serving others because that was the thing with Tim and I, we were turned in for 27 years. There was no help in anyone. We were serving each other and trying to figure each other out. But, you know, the more Tim and I serve and that selfishness that we have makes things even worse. So I think reaching out to to help other women, if you're if you're a, a young mom, you know, that things that you're learning, get in fellowship. That's super important. That's good. Any other steps? I'd really would like to know some thought-provoking questions that can spark conversations. 
So if you have any more thoughts on moving towards healing or can you give us some of those questions? Um, are you, so are you talking about with, within your marriage, within your marriage? Yeah. Like how do you, well, let me tell you what, in our, in our book, between each chapter are thought provoking questions. So that, that's the reason we, you know, we wrote this book to help couples, to help marriages. Mm. And so as we share our story, that's the thing that we hear, we hear so much is we share and that gives people an opportunity to share. So as you read through the chapters and then we put in the questions for transformation, they are very thought provoking questions. Like for instance, thinking about what you brought into your marriage, what baggage did you bring into your marriage? And how are you dealing with that? Are you continuing that pattern in your marriage? Or how can you get out of that pattern? I think those questions throughout the book are very thought-provoking. And we, we suggest that a husband and wife do it together and talk about it because they're hearing our raw story. So I think that helps with some of maybe what's going on in their marriage to start talking about those things. Mm-hmm. I think even, even the story you shared of your expectations what you expected Tim to be, what he expected you to be, we maybe have never verbalized those. Yeah. Well, we're finding, you know, as we're doing our conferences, the biggest thing in marriages is communication. They, they're not communicating about certain things. I mean, life just gets busy when you're raising kids and working and what do you talk about? And pretty much, and I think that's why when, kid, when, when uh, marriages are done raising kids, they look at each other and they have nothing left. And so, you know, we we do a lot of things in our life that we invest in. We invest in our retirement. We invest in our health. You know, we invest in our children. But what are you doing to invest in your marriage? That Because at the end of the day, those kids are going to be gone. And it's going to be you and your spouse. And so that's why we, we do what we do because we almost miss that and the, the beauty of the redemption is now we get to have these eight amazing grandkids that we get to do life with. And we thank God that we we stuck it through so we can be part of their life together. Well, and I'll tell you all, if you do get this book, their kids weigh in, your kids weigh in on watching you go through this transformation. And um, there's videos Praise the Lord for QR codes. Aren't we happy that everybody knows how they work these days? Um, QR codes to videos that you can watch of their story and transformation and so much more that we can't cover here. But if you find yourself in that place and you really need to know that God can redeem and restore and transform a hopeless, struggling marriage, I hope that Kathy and Tim's story will encourage you and we'll link to everything in the show notes, but is there any last thing you want to say before we go or? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is if you're in a difficult marriage, just, just persevere because it's, it's worth it. It's worth fighting for a marriage and put Christ in the center is huge. Another thing I was going to say, another thing that Tim and I have committed to doing is we pray together every day. And I know that is when do y'all do that? What does that look like? We, well, we, we read the Bible every day together. If most of the days, you know, Tim, Tim's, he's still working a little bit, but a lot of his work is done from home. So we're, we have the advantage that we get to be together and we're just not super busy. You know, our busy thing right now is getting this book out there, but we read the Bible, <laughs> we read the Bible every day. And then we, 
we pray together. And, you know, our prayers, when we started praying, actually the pastor who baptized us told Tim, you need to be praying with Kathy. And so he told Tim this. And so Tim comes home and he says, Pastor Mel says, we need, I need to be praying with you. So Tim started praying because it was like, we didn't know how to do it. So Tim would pray. And so he did this for nine months where Tim would pray. And so about the nine month mark, I stopped him and I said, babe, do you think that you could give me a little bit of time in case I had something to say? <laughs> and so he was like, sure. So then we started praying together. And, you know, we tell our couples in our conferences, if all you did was grab your spouse's hand and say, I thank God for the gift of my husband. And I thank God for the gift of my wife and start with that and then go from there. And the, the beauty about prayer is it's, it causes intimacy in your marriage because you're praying to the father and your spouse is hearing that. So that is a huge thing because, you know, there's times Tim will pray and he'll say some things that I didn't even know he was dealing with. And so we'll get done praying and we'll talk about it. And I'll say, I didn't know that that was, you were thinking about that because you just become, the more you pray to the father and God wants to hear our prayers. He wants a relationship with us. And if you think about it, if you have a friend that you're never talking to, you're not going to have a relationship with them. So our way to talk to God is through prayer. So we have made a practice of doing that every day. And we, we insert one of our kids and one of our grandkids. We rotate through our whole family. So we make sure that we pray for them. And then sometimes we'll send them a text and let them know we're praying for them and ask them if there's anything more specific we can pray for. But it's a practice and there's high statistics that that I, Tim knows the numbers for that, but divorce rates go way down when you're consistently praying for your spouse, way down. I, I've seen it. I, and for you parents of lots of little kids, for us, that's looked like right before heading out the door to go yeah. drop off at school. It's grabbing each other in the kitchen and just hugging. And it's like a couple minutes, y'all. I mean, less than a minute or two. Yeah. And it's, and it is like what you said, you hear what the other, it's heavy on their heart, even just for the day. It's a daily kind of check-in. And, and I, I think it's a very short amount of time that can be a big investment. So I appreciate you right. saying that. I mean, these aren't hard things. The Bible and praying, come on yeah. people. Yeah. And you know, you're modeling. <laughs> it doesn't cost you $0. Zero dollars. Right? Exactly. You're mod yeah. and you're modeling mm -hmm. your kids. Your, your kid, our 100%. grandkids say, and our kids know that we pray together every day. And they say, actually say that in one of the videos, one of our grandsons say they pray together, they read the Bible and they pray together. They pray for mm. us. You know, that's modeling. That's important. It's changing the legacy. You yes. are doing it. Yes. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Kathy. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to get to know you a little bit here. Well, you too. Thank you for having me. Again, if you are in a challenging place in your marriage, I hope you check out the other episodes we have done in the show notes. Also connect with Tim and Kathy's ministry. I'm going to pray over all of us as we pursue Christ, particularly it's Lent season, whether you celebrate Lent or not. This is the period of time leading to us remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection, and it's a great time to reset, refocus our mind and heart on him. So I'm going to pray for us. Lord, thank you that there is no part of our story, our past, our current, uh, our future that is outside of your hand. 
and your ability to work with us in a journey of healing. I thank you that the more honest we are about the hard parts of our story, the more connected we can be to others, the more open we are to inviting you into our story, the more you can remind us of what's true about where our real help and health comes from. I pray, Lord, that if we're in a season where we haven't been spending time in your word, that maybe this was the nudge to do that, this conversation, if we have struggled to connect emotionally, spiritually with our spouse, that possibly it's a moment to pray together. That was the reminder we needed today. If someone listening's marriage is is really, really, really hard right now, that you would breathe a fresh wind of hope into their heart and mind, that you would give them the discernment they need to know the next right thing to do. And Lord, we pray that the spirit of shame has no place here, that we would each individually walk with you in our own stories and pursue the path you have for us and stop looking to the right and the left as if another way is better or if we need to copy someone's journey. Lord, I pray that we would rest secure in your hand and your sovereignty for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I get like on a little tangent there. I'm so sorry. Thanks for joining me. Uh, This Friday, it's crazy. It's a leap year, y'all. So we got an extra day of February and March starts this Friday. And if you know what we do around here the first Friday of the month, it's a sidetrack Friday. So join me here. And if you want to make sure you never miss those, one way to do it is just to subscribe to Don't Mom Alone. And I know for me, I use the iTunes podcast app, uh, which comes on your phone if you have an Apple iPhone. It just pops up the shows I'm subscribed to when I open my library. It's just right there. So you can get that reminder. Or if you get my weekly little letter that I send out, little email, it comes on Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays. Uh, You can sign up for that at holaheather.com, hola with an H like Heather. And I'll send you latest episodes, what I'm thinking about, some of my favorite things. It's another way for us to connect. All right. I'll see you here on Friday. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.